Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples' Journey. This episode will cover section 28 of the Doctrine and Covenants. So the historical background of this section is interesting, and I found several lengthy passages from uh, church history, from, uh, I want to say, Newell Knight's uh, journal, basically. Um, and so I'm actually going to read several pretty lengthy passages in talking about the background uh, of this section. Um, so first from Newell Knight. After arranging my affairs at home, I again set out for Fayette. Actually, first things first, before I get into that, one historical piece of context that may not, and is probably not mentioned that, that I can recall from these passages, is that many of the early saints, so we're talking, you know, dozens here, not hundreds, like there's, the, the church is small at this point. It's only been a few months, six or so months since the organization of the church. Um, I believe that section 28 uh, was given in September, so it's been five, six months since April, uh, eighteen thirty. Many of these saints came from a congregationalist background, meaning they it wasn't just a preacher who had the right to teach. Anyone could stand up and teach doctrine and um, basically, you know, share, and that kind of became doctrine to to that congregation. So that's what leads to, oh, that's at least a portion of why many of the saints started listening to Hiram Page. So I guess before I read the, the, the sections, I'll also say this. The section 28 came about because Hiram Page uh, had claimed to receive revelation for the, the church. It was saying, here's doctrine for the church. So that's what happened. Many people had started to believe him, the Whitmers, Oliver Cowdery, many others, and you can kind of understand a little bit more why when you understand their background or their history as Congregationalists. Okay, this is from Newell Knight. He said, after arranging my affairs at home, I again set out for Fayette to attend our second conference, which had been appointed to be held at Father Whitmer's, where Joseph then resided. On my arrival, I found Brother Joseph in great distress of mind on account of Hiram Page, who had managed to get up some dis, uh, dissensions of feeling among the brethren by giving revelations concerning the government of the church and other matters, which he claimed to have received through a medium of a stone he possessed. He had quite a roll of papers full of these revelations, and many in the church were led astray by them. Even Oliver Cowdery and the Whitmer family had, been, uh, had given heed to them, although they were in contradiction to the New Testament and the revelations of these last days. I'm going to step out of the quote here from uh, Brother Knight. Say this. Here's there's an underlying issue right there with Newell Knights. Uh, we're gonna, you know we're going to discuss about who has authority to receive revelation for the church, um, which is another issue. But uh, one of the main underlying issues is that the revelation that he claimed to be receiving was in contradiction to the New Testament, to modern revelation given to Joseph. And so we have we have a major issue there. Continuing with uh, other Brother Knight's entry. He said, Here's a chance for Satan to work among the little flock, and he had sought by this means to accomplish what persecution failed to do. Joseph was perplexed and scarcely knew how to meet this new exigency. That night I occupied the same room that he did, and the greater part of the night was spent in prayer and supplication. After much labor with these brethren, they were convinced of their error and confessed the same, renouncing the revelations as not being of God, but acknowledged that Satan had conspired to overthrow their beliefs in the true plan of salvation. In consequence of these things, Joseph inquired of the Lord before conference commenced and received the revelation published on 
page 140 of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 28, wherein God explicitly states his mind and will concerning the, re the receiving of the revelations. Conference having assembled, the first thing done was to consider the subject of the stone in connection with Hiram Page, and after considerable investigation, the discussion and discussion, Brother Page and all the members of the church pre present renounced the stone and the revelation connected with it, much to our joy and satisfaction. So, we learned something here. How can we tell if the revelation we receive is true revelation, personal revelation? One way is, is asking ourselves, does it contradict the, re the revealed word of the Lord through his prophets? And if it does, then it probably is not revelation from God. Revelation is a tricky matter. Let's let's face it and address it. Satan can transform his, his into a into appear to be an angel of light. He can he can confuse and uh, fool if, if even the very elect at times. Um, and then there's the matter of you know trying to decide if revelation is is from God or from just your own thoughts and you're making things up. A few rules of thumb that I've learned, and again, I'm no, I'm not an expert. I'm I'm like you guys. I'm learning this as I go in my life. But a few of the things I've learned is, if it's a good thought to do something good, it's from God. If it if it contradicts revealed word from the prophets, not from God. Those are the two like rules of thumb, honestly, that I've learned because. If you if you sit there guessing whether it came from you or from God, just ask yourself: Is it is it inspiring me and prompting me to do something good? Then it's likely, definite, most definitely from God. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about Hiram Page and the issues here. The issue wasn't that he claimed to be receiving revelation. No, the issue wasn't that he claimed to be receiving revelation through a rock. Go back to section eight of the Doctrine and Covenants and uh, in the historical context around that section even. Oliver Cowdery used the divining rod to find to find things and to and to know things, and the, the the Lord encouraged him to use it because it was a gift that he had been given, a spiritual gift from from God. So like using objects, even not bad. And I think in the church we sometimes get this like weird like ooh that's like that's apostate type of thing. Joseph used the Urim and Thummim. He used a, a stone until he didn't need it anymore. Until he could re uh, rely on his own uh, discernment that he had learned over time to receive revelation, he used it. For us to say that, that using an object to receive revelation or is, that that's bad would be to deny truth, would be to deny the history of the church, to deny Joseph Smith as a prophet of God. So that's not the issue. The issue is that Hiram claimed to receive revelation for the entire church, and on top of that, this revelation contradicted prior revelation. And so something needed to be done uh, to address how this was going to be. Again, this is a new church. Joseph didn't know how to handle this. These are Congregationalists who are used to this kind of thing. So the Lord said, But behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, no one shall be appointed to receive commandments and revelations in this church excepting my servant Joseph Smith Jr. for he receiveth them even as Moses. 
we're going to clear that up. It's it's Joseph Smith. It's the prophet that can receive revelation for all. Um, Oliver Cowdery was at this time the second elder of the church. The, the, so it's Joseph and then Oliver. This revelation is directed to Oliver and just like um, other general authorities, Oliver's told, be obedient to him, even as Aaron was, but if thou art led at any time by the comforter to speak and teach her at times of, by way of the commandment under the church, thou mayest do it. So he's saying, you can teach them, but you're not going to, you even, Oliver, as the number two elder in the church, you even are not going to receive revelation for the church. Now, you're going to receive revelation and personal revelation. Uh, in verse 15, he says, And it shall be given thee, Oliver, from time to time, that thou shalt go until the time that thou shalt return, what thou shalt do. Look, you're going to receive personal revelation, and you're going to receive revelation to even teach the people of the church. But only Joseph. So here's some order, right? We're going to talk about all things are done in wisdom and order. Again, this is a new church. These are new things, new issues. As they come up, the Lord is going to then reveal things, line upon line, precept upon precept. We talked about a couple weeks ago in section 20, all the things that were revealed in section 20 in the establishment of the church wasn't all of the doctrines, wasn't all of the things that we needed to run the church and that we have now. No. It was what they needed then with a small group of people. And as they grew and new issues arose, like this one, the Lord was going to reveal things. It's a pattern of the way he works, line upon line, precept upon precept, so as to not overwhelm our puny human minds. He's going to guide us by the hand and lead us there little by little. And here in section 28, that's what he's doing. Is he's teaching them this principle of order so that you can always know where the truth is, can be found. So, um, kind of talked a lot about this, but in what ways did Hiram Page violate true order? Well, here's a, a quote from Uh, a statement from the First Presidency in 1913. When visions, dreams, tongues, prophecy, impressions, or any extraordinary gift of inspiration convey something out of harmony with the accepted revelations of the Church or contrary to the decisions of its constituted authorities, Latter-day Saints may know that it is not of God, no matter how plausible it may appear. Also, they should understand that directions for the guidance of the Church will come by revelation through the head. All faithful members are entitled to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for themselves, their families, and for those over whom they are appointed and ordained to preside. But anything at discord with that which comes from God through the head of the church is not to be received as authoritative or reliable. In secular as well as spiritual affairs, saints may receive divine guidance and revelation affecting themselves, but this does not convey authority to direct others. And it is not to be accepted when contrary to church covenants, doctrines, or disciplines, or to the known facts, demonstrated truths, or, or good common sense. Be not led by any spirit of influence that discredits established authority and contradicts true scientific principles and discoveries or leads away from the direct revelations of God for the government of the church. The Holy Ghost does not contradict itself or its own revealings. Truth is always harmonious with itself. Piety is often the cloak of error. The counsels of the Lord will, will excuse me, the counsel of the Lord through the channel he has appointed will be followed with safety. Therefore, O ye Latter-day Saints, profit by these words of warning. And so the first presidency of the time was Joseph F. Smith, 
Anthon H. Lund, and Charles W. Penrose. Uh, it's called A Warning Voice. So, that that was Hiram Page's error and that needed to be corrected. Um, all can receive revelation. I have this written in my scriptures here. All of us can receive revelation, but all of us, not all of us can receive command commandments and, re- and revelation. And that's what's different. We can receive those things for who, those whom we have stewardship over uh, and ordained to preside, as the First Presidency said. So if you're an oldest quorum president, you should be receiving revelation for your quorum. If you're a relief study president, you should be receiving revelation for the sisters in your ward, and a bishop, and a state president, and so on and so on, and a primary teacher, right? That's how this works. But when it applies to the entire church, it comes from one source, the prophet, the president of the church. James E. Faust said, Only the prophet and president and no one else can call, can use all the keys of the kingdom of God on earth. In our time, that man is President Gordon B. Hinckley. Now it's uh, President Nelson. He and his counselors in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles have delegated specific authority and responsibility to other general authorities and to local authorities and auxiliary leaders to direct the work in their own areas of responsibility. Early in the church, the Lord warned members, Thou shalt not command him who is at thy head and at the head of the church. Some have said, My integrity will not permit me to yield my conscience to anyone. A clear conscience is a very precious spiritual endowment when it is guided by the Holy Ghost. Ultimately, everyone has the responsibility of making their own moral decisions. However, Prophet Joseph Smith stated that it is contrary to the economy of God for any member of the church to receive instruction for those in authority higher than themselves. In addition, some have claimed higher spiritual gifts or authority outside of the established priesthood authority of the church. They say that they believe in the principles and ordinances of the gospel and accept the president of the church as the legal administrator thereof, but claim to have a higher order which the president does not have. This is often done to justify activity which is not in accordance with the doctrine of the church. There can be no higher order. However, because the president of the church both holds and exercises all of the keys of the kingdom of God on earth, the Lord has said the president of the church, of the president of the church, that none else shall be appointed to receive commandments and revelations except it be through him. So, prophet. Well, I, I mentioned in the previous episode this week uh, a quote by Elder Anderson about, you know, oftentimes the voice of the prophet is a voice of warning. Oftentimes your personal opinions, our personal opinions may con- be in contradiction to what the prophet says. And at those times we need to have the humility to go to the Lord in prayer and and be softened because Satan wants to pull us away from the prophet Uh, this is from Marion G. Romney he said before the church had been organized six months the devil was foistering his counterfeits upon uh, its members in his in the history of sorry in his history of September 1830 the prophet says to our great grief however we soon found that Satan had been lying in wait to deceive and seeking whom he might devour brother Hiram Page had in his possession a certain stone which by uh, which he obtained certain revelations concerning the upholding up the building up of Zion, the order of the church, etc., all of which were entirely at variance with the order of God's house as laid in the New Testament as well as in our late revelations. The prophet was greatly concerned about it because Oliver Cowdery and the Whitmers were sympathetic with Hiram Page and began to believe his spurious revelation. In response to the prophet's inquiry, the Lord gave him revelation recorded in the 28th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. This revelation was directed to Oliver Cowdery in 
in it the Lord said to him, Thou shalt take the, thy brother Hiram Page between him and thee alone, and tell him that those things which he hath written from the stone are not of me, and that Satan deceiveth him. For behold, these things have not been appointed unto him, neither shall anything be appointed unto any of the church contrary to the church's covenants. The revelation straightened Hiram Page out, but it did not end Satan's effort to, to deceive the brethren. You will remember how they, including some of the leaders of the church, fought the prophet in the days of Kirtland. At the time of one attack on the prophet, when Brigham Young was present, he arose and said that Joseph was a prophet and that he knew it, and, quote, and that they who rail and slander him could but destroy their own authority and cut the thread that bound them to the prophet of God and sink themselves to hell. And so it is with us in our day. It's kind of where I want to end this section and discussion about the importance of the prophet and staying close. Again, we've, we've studied this year so far several times when the Lord has made it really clear and that when you add section 28, some of the things we've learned is it's really clear that only the prophet speaks for the church. Only the prophet can receive revelation for the entire church. But when he receives that revelation, when he speaks that way, he is speaking for God. And it is if we've heard the voice of God and the word of God himself. And so though we may hate and what the prophet says and our personal opinions may be against it, and though we may not like this or that, we can rail and slander him. All we'll do is destroy our own authority and cut our own thread that binds us to the prophet and to heaven and to our own personal revelation and thereby sinking us to hell. That's the only thing we can do if we kick against the pricks in that way. There is safety in following the prophet. As we follow the, the prophet and listen to his words and his counsel, we will put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. Our feet will be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our loins will be girt about with truth. We'll have the shield of faith to defend us and others. Another, another thing I failed to mention in section 27 about the shield of faith that's awesome to me is when another, when our friend is, 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 is damaged and down, one thing we can share with them, if only in a temporary and small way, we can't give them our virtue, we can't give them our faith even, but what we can do is we can, for a time, until they can get their armor on, we can reach our arm out with our shield and protect them. While we, while per chance, we drag them to safety. In the Book of Mormon, uh, the Nephites and Lamanites are fighting, and, and the Nephites are covered with, with armor and the Lamanites are not. And there's just great slaughter on the side of the Lamanites because of that. And it says that now and again, uh, a man fell uh, among the Nephites uh, you know, because of some uh, weakness in their armor. Something would get through and they would fall. So having on the armor doesn't mean that, that, that there's no danger to us. Uh, there's, a, there's a talk by uh, President Iron called Man Down that I love. And he talks about... He talks about watching a war movie. We've all seen a scene in a movie when there's explosions going off and maybe the sound is kind of uh, even dimmed somewhat because of, you know, there's ringing and there's just explosions. And But then over these explosions, you hear someone yell, man down. And then what do they do? They all, they all turn their attention to that man. 
as we as we listen to the prophet, we have our armor on. What it allows us to also do is look out for those men down, those women down, who even maybe despite their best efforts, got hit in a weak in a weakness. We can run to their aid, sacrificing our own safety, just as the Savior, acting as saviors on Mount Zion taking with us our shield of faith so that as we pull our brother or sister to safety and invite them back into the safety of, of full fellowship, of obedience and discipleship, we can, we, can, we can help to fend off the fiery darts until they uh, have their armor fastened again and are healed. That's the power that comes and the beauty that we have in, in, a, in a church with a, with a living prophet. We don't have to rely on the words of dead prophets and, and try to discern what they mean. We have a prophet of God on the earth today who can tell us exactly what God wants us to know today. And in the end, that's what matters. What God is saying now. Moses, I took, uh, I think, uh, an Ethiopian a woman to wife, which was forbidden, but God had told him to. Aaron, his brother, tries to chastise him. Hey, that's not a, that's that, that's against the rules. What mattered was what God said to the prophet then, to Moses then. Moses chastised and corrected Aaron, and Aaron listened and, and followed and obeyed. You'll see this this connection in section 28 as you read and there's a mention of Moses and there's a mention of Aaron and thou shalt be obedient unto the things which I shall give unto him even as Aaron he's saying this to Oliver Cowdery the number two just like I said to, to Moses is number two Aaron just like Aaron did listen and obey the, the prophet the living prophet because that is what matters the most impro- important prophet ever is the prophet that is living right now because he speaks for the Lord now to tell us what we need to know now in our day, in our lives. I know that President Nelson, Russell M. Nelson, is a prophet, is the prophet of God on the earth today. I know that as we listen to him, we're listening to the words of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Master, our Head. Thanks for listening this week. Hope you enjoy your study. Hope you uh, hope you will join me next week as we continue our study of the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, best of luck in your studies, and I hope to talk to you soon.